Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, Mets fans, and welcome to the Happy Recap Radio Show for this May 7th, Sunday of 2017. I'm JB along with EJ, and EJ, I tell you, as we get started today, it's kind of amazing. We have another scenario, much like last weekend, where you win two out of three, and you come out of it feeling like you got swept. Yes, Sunday has just not been our day lately. It seems like uh, we're not issuing a lot of happy recaps on Sunday, and uh, you're right, buddy. I mean, two or three, you you would have signed for that at the beginning of the weekend, but after, let's face it, a couple of dominant offensive outbursts the past couple of, let's face it, the past week, for them to come out as completely listless as they were today, it's super deflating, I feel. Yeah, and I mean, you look at it, too, it's kind of hard because, I mean, obviously, and we'll talk about some of it, uh, some of it less than others, uh, but uh, you know, a lot of off-the-field um, distractions, if you will, this, this week. Uh, but, um, you know, you, you have a team that has won three straight series. They, they have won six out of their last nine games and have seemingly turned a corner offensively. Pitching-wise, uh, you know, there's certainly some, uh, some uh, questions to be answered there. But it's, it's just funny. Every time you want to try and get excited about the Mets turning this around, they find some way, obviously, uh, more off the field than on the field, but definitely on the field the past few Sundays to kind of beat you back into submission. Yeah, and it, it's particularly, like I said, it's a particularly disheartening because they were finally doing things that we have prayed that they could get it together as of lately, and that was scoring bunches of runs without the benefit of the home run. I mean, the other night, to, to score in the teams without the benefit of a home run, that's just a... One of those that's baseball season kind of things to happen, but they were stringing together rallies. They were stringing together hits. They weren't relying on just the one big blow. And let's face it, I think a lot of that is the impact of having T.J. Rivera in the lineup. And I'm not going to stop singing this kid's praises. And he should absolutely never come out of this lineup. But for them to actually be putting some competent at bats, um, I'm the first to admit, and I know it's early in the season. Man, was I wrong about Jay Bruce. I mean, I thought he was Jason Bay, Robbie Alomar, any guy who'd ever come on, put on a Mets uniform, and it was instantly kryptonite to him. And I take it back. He obviously was just a little bit in his own head last year, and now having a full spring, a full offseason to kind of embrace New York. This guy is just, he's he a straight up hit. And I'm, thank God he's on this team right now because without Cespedes, you need his bat. So you're right. It finally, like, I thought we were going to get on his day and be able to talk. Even if they lost today, I didn't expect them to lose in the manner in which they did. But I thought the majority of today's show was going to be about this rejuvenated offense and this deplenished pitching staff. And, unfortunately, that's not your headline today. No, it's not. But, I mean, on the, on the same note that you get, I mean, I'm, I'm absolutely 100% in agreement with you on just about everything you said. I, I, I want to throw a fun hypothetical question out on you at this point. Obviously, we know the Mets have a lot of money coming off the books this season and a few holes they're going to need to fill. You expect Michael Conforto, obviously, to be part of the outfield solution next year. Obviously, Cespedes as well. Do you consider an extension for Jay Bruce? You know, I'd like to see how the rest of this year plays out before I do make that 
because uh, if you ask me as of today, based on what he's done so far, I would say yes. But we all know he can at times be streaky, and I've got to see a little bit of, not that I want to, but I've got to see Jay Bruce go through some type of a slump and see how he gets himself out of it, and it's uh, something quickly, or if he goes into weakest due to length slumps, in which case I, I couldn't advocate for that. But as of, if you ask me today, based on what he's done so far, I would consider it at the right number. The other thing, too, that I, that I would say as a compliment to Bruce is the fact that, the, you know, with everything that went on last season, you know, obviously not getting off to a good start with the fans, not getting off to a good start with the team, to then be the subject of just about every rumor at the winter meetings and all throughout the winter. Uh, Jay Bruce is going to be traded for a bag of balls. Jay Bruce is going to be traded for a middle reliever. I mean, it, it was pretty obvious that given, you know, within reason, Sandy wanted to give Jay Bruce away. And that can mess with a guy. That can mess with a guy's head, and there's no evidence that it did. And that's full credit to him. Now, mind you, again, I agree. Streaky player. Now, you know, we had the benefit of most likely not having Duda there, so I think you could sustain a streaky guy, but uh, well, you sure prefer not to if you can avoid it because I think this team is built on too many streaky guys. But um, the, the reality of it is, is, yeah, you're absolutely right. Playing how he is right now, I feel I need to see more as well. But uh, Jay Bruce, is, in my mind, has done everything to deserve an extension so far this year. But there's a lot of season left. Yeah, and you know, like you said, I mean, he was out there to be had by any team who basically wanted to offer up anything for him. It was a middle relief. It was a utility bat, maybe. Something of that nature, and you could have had him. And in, like you said, instead of getting in his head, that might have put a, a giant Pringle-sized chip right on his shoulder that he has something to prove. Now, granted, there's also going to be a lot of money on the table in this offseason, and uh, you, you can never uh, deny a guy who, who's playing for a contract, but it definitely seems that he has come back and has a, a pretty large statement to prove both to himself, to Major League Baseball, and to the Mets fans. Yeah, and, and if there's one thing we've also learned this weekend, uh, neither Rafael Montero nor Adam Wilk are solutions for the fifth uh, slot in the rotation. You know, Montero, I think everybody is just about done with him. I, I kind of felt like the organization themselves were done with him long past this point. I thought it was over a year ago that they kind of declared the Rafael Montero project dead. But uh, I don't think anyone was surprised by the results of his start. Wilk, I feel bad for. He definitely had probably no intentions when he Friday morning of pitching a major league baseball game on Sunday. So to have to go cross country to kind of get that last minute notice. Um, it wasn't like it was an injury either. So it was uh, kind of mitigating circumstances and there's definitely going to be extra scrutiny on this game today. Not really on Wilk, but there are definitely going to be more eyes on the Mets today because of what's going on off the field. And I just felt he was really in a, in a pretty bad situation today. At best, I feel like he could have hoped for, like, a John Neese five innings, four-run performance. And if he had done that, he would have said, okay, well, the kid did what he had to do. But instead, it just seemed like he was serving up batting practice. Those two home runs by Giancarlo Stanton have yet to land. I mean, he just absolutely tattooed them. Uh, the, the second one being on the identical pitch he saw in his first at bat, which was a little little perplexing by the battery mates there calling that pitch again in the same location. But he was he was really in a tough boat. Um, I, I do have to say, Paul Sewell kind of impressed me. I thought he did a good job coming in and, and doing some of the mop-up work. Um, it, it's just it's just amazing that we sit here. It's May 7th, and 
we were sitting there in February talking about the gross amount of depth that the Mets had starting pitching, and here on May 7th, we were starting Adam Wilk. Like, how did that happen so fast? So clearly, Sandy is going to uh, have to get a little more proactive and active and trying to uh, do something to reinforce this pitching staff because right now you just really, you legitimately don't have a five and you may not even have a legit four right now. You know, and the problem is, of course, obviously this happens to happen right in the part of the season where nobody's dealing pitchers. I mean, uh, for those who didn't catch it uh, during the game, the Mets uh, claimed off of waivers uh, Tommy Malone from the uh, Milwaukee Brewers, a uh, journeyman left-hander who's been around for a couple of years. Uh, he's certainly not going to impress you. He probably is going to do better than Montero and Wilk. Uh, but the reality of it, that's what's out there right now. The Mets are also, uh, according to Chris Cotello, not surprisingly talking to Doug Fister currently, uh, and they were at his showcase. But uh, one report I set, heard from that uh, uh, session the other day is he's not even hitting 90 on the gun right now. There's no way this guy is game ready for a couple of weeks at least. Uh, I, you know, it's The Mets are in a bad position. Sandy's in a bad position. And even being proactive, I, I'm not sure it does us much good because – the quality of starter the Mets probably the Mets probably need to remain competitive are about six weeks from becoming available. Yeah, which is right along the time frame of you're getting some reinforcements back. So the question is, is it worth it to go get a guy when if you go get him and it takes him six weeks to get ready, but then in six weeks you get reinforcements back and he's not going to be there? It's a it's a question to have because like we were talking about last week. If you go out there and get Fisto and you tell him, okay, you're going to extend its spring training for four weeks, he goes to extending uh, spring training for four weeks, and in four weeks' time, we've got two live arms back in the rotation, and we've got no spot in the rotation. So is he going to be agreeable to then going to one of the minor league locations and pitching from there until possibly need it later in the season? And the reality of it is because he didn't sign a minor league deal with anybody this year, the answer seemingly yeah. is no. Uh, exactly. So, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, when you've got him and uh, and uh, PV and Lincecum, these are the names that are out there right now that are, are not attached to any team right now. Uh, but they're all p- players that will take a couple weeks to get ready. I mean, I think you're looking at, you know, with somebody like Tommy Malone, I think you could see him the next time Ontario slot comes up in the in the rotation. That being said, that may not be till next week because you could very easily slot uh, Matt Harvey into Montero's spot in the rotation this week um, because, well, quite frankly, as we all know, he didn't start today, but obviously there are other hurdles to overcome with that particular suggestion. Yeah, so uh, it's funny. You and I usually have a a couple minutes before the show to just talk a little bit about some show prep and just what's going on, and we didn't have that today because I was was just glued to to Twitter just now reading all the beat guys' reaction to Matt Harvey's teammates' reaction to what is going on. Of course, if you don't know, you've been living under a rock. Matt Harvey was indeed suspended for three games by the Mets for for violating team rules. And it's kind of interesting to see the reactions seem to be mixed coming out of the the clubhouse. Uh, It's really surprising. The the guy who I think was, was most harsh on Harvey was Jose Reyes, who basically said, you know, they gave us rules in spring training. We knew not to break them. He's got to do better. And I thought that was very, that was a very veteran kind of thing of Jose Reyes. You know, you look at him; he's so energetic and so much fun to watch. And it's kind of, it's kind of weird to think of Jose Reyes as the, the grizzled veteran in the clubhouse. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I think that, uh, you know, it's certainly been interesting to see, you know, the various things that have dribbled out through the day. I'll, you know, this is one of those things that you and I started talking about early in the morning when the, when the news first broke. Um, as I was woken up by my phone going ping, 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 hey, did you see Harvey got suspended? Um, and I immediately sent a text to you going, whoa, what the hell just happened? Um, yeah. Which I was, I was, I, I figured you'd catch me up, and I was actually catching you up on it. I don't, but uh, in church, okay? <laughs> well, yeah, okay, but it was. <laughs> in, in fairness, yeah. three hours off, my brain is not always on that concept. So I mean, yeah. uh, although I may have taken the Lord's name in vain when I uh, saw your text. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that uh, yeah, that's one of the benefits of uh, going on a Saturday night if you can, but. Uh, the um the, <laughs> the the uh the the irony is, is that it, it just you know they very quickly said you know they ain't saying what happened and little by little pieces have come out um and obviously we have a situation now where supposedly Matt Harvey is going to file a grievance against the Mets for suspending him for his migraine um you know whether or not you choose to believe his version of the story that he's currently um, sending out through the, his media mouthpiece, in this case, uh, John Heyman, um, is essentially acting as Matt Harvey's spokesman. I guess Andy Martino wasn't around today. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the reality of it is, is uh, I saw a lot of people today, uh, you know, you and I have had many discussions on this show uh, about Matt Harvey, about his off the field, about him as a person, um, uh, you know, you have on many cases on the sh- many times on the show referred to him as Hollywood Harvey, um, and and not uh, and not incorrectly in my opinion, uh, but it sure felt like today was the day the Met fans had it. Uh, yeah, there weren't a whole lot of people that were slaughtering Sandy over this. It was kind of like, okay, so that's Matt's excuse. No, that's BS. I want some. I, that I don't even believe that for a second. Uh, I, which I'm not used to seeing. I'm used to seeing fans go, I can't believe Sandy overreacted. It's clear that Matt Harvey's telling the truth because he is a Adonis, a god among all pitchers. Well, you know, if Matt Harvey was still pitching like the Dark Knight, I think a lot of transgressions would have been overlooked. But when you start pitching the way he has been pitching this year, which has not been great, let's face it, not been good, let's face it. And there have been, he's had back to back outings where the Mets really could have used him, go out there and, and kind of be an ace for them, stop a little bleeding, and he's just completely collapsed in both outings. So I, I definitely think if you're going to live the prima donna playboy lifestyle, well, if, you, if you're going to be Bruce Wayne off the field, you better damn well be Batman on the field. But he certainly is not this year. And I think you're right. Today was the day that a lot of fans are sick of it, but I'm also getting the fresh impression Today's the day a lot of his teammates are sick of it, and obviously his organization's sick of it. Because the one thing that they've said when the news first broke was that this has been a long time coming. This has gone back to incidents stemming as far back as last year. And if they wanted to do something about it, and it was that harsh of a transgression, they would have done something last year. But they needed them last year. They needed a happy Harvey for a possible playoff run. And I feel like they feel that they can nip it in the bud now do it early in the season. I mean, let's face it. It's so obvious that Matt Harvey is not signing back with the Mets at the end of his run here anyway. Maybe you can get Matt to to grow up a little bit. Maybe you get a glimpse of the Dark Knight back. But 
I mean, I've never seen a day of such rampant speculation about what a guy did. I mean, we saw everything from, oh, he was drunk driving to, oh, he's got an alcohol problem. And now it turns out, according to Harvey, he was playing golf and he got a headache. So, you know, I'll speculate on that. I play golf a lot. You know when I get a headache? When I drink too much on the course. So, yeah, that's my speculation. But whatever it is, I definitely think everybody is kind of fed up with Matt Harvey. And I kind of wish that the person most fed up with Matt Harvey was, in fact, Matt Harvey. Yeah, and that's kind of the overall impression I get, especially when you're looking at the you know the idea of a grievance to get back what amounts to you know eighty four thousand dollars. If that's really what you know what it amounts to, I mean that's the three days of salary lost. I mean you're you're looking at uh, um, you know a, a guy that I think that um, you know doesn't have a whole lot of uh, credit with the fan base right now, and they're not necessarily going to take him at his word. Uh, you know, it, it's one of those things that, you know, I said to somebody, I said, well, you know, what feels an awful lot like a hangover? Well, a, a, you know, a migraine. Yeah, sometimes you can confuse the two, let's be honest here. Uh, but, uh, you know, and I'm not, you know, for those who suffer with migraine, I'm certainly not trying to, you know, minimize the, the, the suffering because they can be debilitating. I, I certainly know that. But on the milder end, I know people that are, complain that it's like the worst hangover they've ever had. So, I mean, it's, you know, I'm not saying he was out drinking. I'm not saying he was out partying. I'm not making any accusations. I'm just saying, you know, there, there's a lot of different ways you can go with that story. There's a lot of different surmising you can do. But I think the, the reality of it is, is if you, you know, if you're asked Sandy deep in the recess of his mind, what's your idea? It's, it's that I get Matt Harvey back on the field. He has a good, decent season and I can get some for him in the off season. Yeah, you know, what's the, the most ironic thing here is today's the anniversary of the infamous Bloody Nose game. Twelve strikeouts, nine innings pitched, and a no decision. And uh, probably the, the game that really started the legacy of the, the superstardom, the, the superhero persona, was when uh, with the blood infamously dripping down his shirt and him still firing 99-mile-per-hour fastballs past everybody in his sight. And for him to go from there to where we are today is really kind of a sad thing. But the interesting thing with Harvey is I feel if he did anything even similar to that in his next start, no blood, no foul. Matt Harvey would be back in the greatest gracious, maybe not of his organization and his teammates, but I feel the the fans on Mets Twitter would jump right back into the saddle with Matt Harvey, save for his usual critics and, and more level-headed on well, I mean, you, they've done it before. I mean, it's happened before. Let's be honest. There's a track record of it. it, it the relationship between Matt Harvey and the fans is, and, and some, well, a good portion of the fan base is basically a one-way abusive relationship. Um, and, and, you know, it, it really is the, you know, I, I'm going to treat, you know, treat this whole thing like crap, crap, crap. Uh, and, you know, it feels like, uh, but all right, I'm going to be a hero. I'm going to go out and pitch in the stretch drive. I'm going to forget about my innings limit. You know, he rocks it for a month and a half, gets the Mets into the World Series. All is forgiven. But has Matt Harvey really changed? And that's the question. And I just don't know. I mean, you know, none of us really know what's going on in the mind of Matt Harvey. But the reality of it is, is whatever it, whatever it is, uh, and however long it's been going on, it is toxic. Uh, and yeah. toxic to the, the chemistry of this team, and I, you know, I think at some point a point comes where the Mets and Matt Harvey are better off seeing other people. I um, don't disagree at all. I, 
I totally and I think agree that with that. that. You know, it's just that and they, that's as much for Matt Harvey as it is for us. Yeah, they need to separate from each other. They just don't. They don't. They're not compatible. I don't think Sandy Alderson and Matt Harvey have the best relationship. Obviously, Matt ha- does not have a good relationship with Jay Horowitz, who, let's face it, he he runs the message that gets out there to the fans. So. To have a toxic relationship with that guy is never a strong thing. And Matt Harvey's losing relationship with fans, losing relationship probably around Major League Baseball, too. So the the best thing Matt Harvey can do is just shut up and pitch. Just shut up and pitch and pitch well. Because if he goes through the rest of the season hovering like around a four-and-a-half ERA and basically being uh, Steve Traxel to us, I mean, he's done the, the worst disservice for everyone. He's done the worst disservice for him because – when it comes time for a contract, he's not going to get a big one pitching like that. If it comes time for a trade, he's not going to command much back. So would it even be worth it trading him? And he's completely defaced himself in front of the fans. It's, this is, it just amazes me. This is the guy who was doing the GQ body image whatever magazine years ago. This was He was poised to be Doc Gooden in the mid-80s in New York. And to see him fall from grace like this, through no fault but his own. And I'll put the injuries aside. You can't control injuries. That, that's, that's completely a, a part of the game, and it's a shitty part of the game. Pardon my French. But uh, he is just doing it to himself for the PR stuff. I mean, I, I want to just create a, a Twitter account called Shut Up Man and just have him go out there and just pitch. If you're going to pitch poorly, fine, pitch poorly. Don't get your ass suspended. But just do everything the right way. You got Jose Reyes sitting and telling you, you know the rules, dude, follow them. And it's just like he just thinks he's too entitled to have to follow the rules. And I said it today in a tweet, and I'm going to reiterate it. Matt Harvey has the, probably the biggest sense of entitlement that we've seen uh, surrounding the Mets since Tom Seaver. And Tom Seaver earned his sense of entitlement. But why does Matt Harvey have that sense of entitlement? Because the Mets let him. When Matt Harvey, a second-year player, gets injured and says, no, I'm, I refuse to rehab at Port St. Lucie because I want to go to Rangers games. The Mets complied with him. You know who rehabbed at Port St. Lucie? Mike Piazza. Pedro Martinez. Those guys were good enough to go down and rehab at Port St. Lucie. But no, no, no. Pilot and Harvey. No, no, no. I'm calling the shots here. And the Mets bent over and let Mark Harvey call his way. He was a second-year player. This is the guy who should have had his garbage being thrown in or his lunch being thrown in the garbage by the veterans. This is the guy who should have been getting notes in his locker say, know your role, Brooke. And instead, everyone, because don't forget, he was, he was an amazing pitcher at the time. But every single net, every single veteran, every single member of the front office, every single person in the media, and the fans, we are all complacent in making Matt Carvey the egomaniac he is who has no accountability to anybody but himself and who has the sense of entitlement that says, I can do whatever the hell I want because I am that freaking Harvey. Kiss my ass. That is what has happened to Matt Harvey. So it's all of our fault from the top of the organization to the fans that nobody ever tried to rein this kid's ego in. Ooh, didn't think I had that in me today. <laughs> I, I knew you did. <laughs> Somehow I knew you did. And, and, you know, the thing about it is, too, I mean, I look at it, you know, that, uh, that Matt Harvey documentary that was on uh, – I think it was MLB Network that did that last year, I think. Yeah, that um, piece of science fiction. Yeah, that's the one. And I, the thing that always sticks out to me is the clips that they showed of him being interviewed for the school TV news from his high school. 
and it was obvious he was the exact same Matt Harvey we know today, uh, right down to the attitude of like, I am too good for this. Why am I doing this? The and stereotypical just, alpha jock. Very much so, and I think that you know it was. It's one of those things that, um, you know, I, I think that's one of the things. I mean, I've, uh, you know, I've had the opportunity to meet a few of these guys over over the past couple of years, uh, mainly when they were in AAA, and you know, you, you meet Jake Degrom, humble guy. Uh, at least he comes across that way. I mean, obviously he likes to have some fun. He, he's a, he's a good teammate, etc. You know, I, you know, you got to, you know, got to meet uh, Noah. Very at that point, he was a very quiet guy. He's changed a bit in that sense. Uh, Zach Wheeler, pretty much what you see is what you get with Zach. Nice guy, um, very intense, but uh, you know, definitely, uh, you know, he's he's the kind of guy that uh, you want to root for. Uh, but you know, you have not met Matt, but I just don't. He just doesn't seem like my kind of guy, and that's and that's not his fault. It's just reality. But the you know the the reality of it is looking at these guys and looking at who's on this team. You know these are still in some ways, despite his eternal absence, these are still David Wright's Mets. And you know the the reality of it is is that um, you know I still hearken back to all the issues last year and all the attempts that uh, David Wright made with Matt Harvey try and get through to him what being a team player was all about and how utterly miserably he appealed, appeared to fail at it. Through no fault of his own. No. Wright said all the right things. Wright did all the right things. But he could not get through to him, and it was obvious just watching. I mean, you didn't even have to tell me what the conversations were about. Just watching those conversations on the bench, you know, on the TV screen, you could tell from the body language that Harvey was not receptive. Completely checked out, 100% checked out. And, you know, back when the social media platform Vine was a thing, I used to love posting Vines of somebody saying something to Matt Harvey on the bench, and then when they walked away, Matt Harvey shaking his head or rolling his eyes at them, most frequently being Terry Collins. And that's another relationship that I think is a contentious one. But, yeah, it's, it's, he is not going to listen. And you know what? Every time something happens with Harvey, whether it's an injury, whether it's a PR gaffe, Whatever it is, anytime something like that happens, I find myself saying, okay, this is going to be the one that wakes him up. This is going to be the one that says to Matt, I got to mature. I got to grow up. I have to start playing by the rules, and I got to be better. And I'm not even saying that at this one. You think Matt Harvey's going to grow up because of a three-day suspension? He probably won't have to play golf again today. He's probably going somewhere glamorous in Manhattan tonight. You think he cares about a three-game suspension? No. He cares what you said. He cares about the 84,000 he's losing. That's about it. I don't think that Matt Harvey's ever going to grow up, at least not on this team, and maybe a shift to someplace like a Kansas City. Let him go learn to be humble in a small market where he isn't going to have this glamour surrounding him. Because let's face it, if he doesn't shape up wherever he ends up going next in his career, he's not going there as Matt Harvey dominant ace. He's going there as Matt Harvey middle to lower part of our rotation. Yeah, and I mean that's the thing too. I mean, for, you know, you, you look at, you know, I I think I said that to somebody on on Twitter earlier. It's like, uh, be interested to see how he does in Colorado next year. Um, you know, and I I, I you know I I said that to be facetious, but I mean the reality of it is the Mets have all the control here. 
And, you know, the reality, you know, everyone's always said, yeah, he's going to wind up a Yankee someday, or yeah, he's going to wind up a Dodger someday. Well, the Mets don't have to facilitate that. Scott Boris can facilitate that down the road. The Mets can send him to whoever makes a good offer. Uh, and the reality of it is they're going to get two years of Matt Harvey. So the, the, the fact is, I mean, you're, even at his reduced value, you're still going to turn him into something because he's been an ace. He has ace potential, and the reality of it is is that uh, you'll have him for two years. Uh, that definitely yeah. has that definitely has appeal. Now, I don't think you could trade him to Co- uh, Colorado for Nolan Arnado at this point. Oh, to dream if it were true, we could. Uh, but I, I, you know, yeah, if we want to throw in Dom Smith, Ahmed, Ahmed Rosario, and Stephen Matz, maybe you yeah. get a shot at uh, yeah at, at that. And even then, well. No, I still wouldn't do it. Never mind. But uh, you know, the the reality of it is, uh, you know, I think you could still turn in. You know, uh, I think you could still turn Harvey into an everyday, everyday offensive player and a prospect at this point. Uh, And that's today. Uh, You know, if he turns it around, maybe you get a little bit more than that from him. Uh, Maybe you get a team's two top prospects. But uh, the the reality of it is is that uh, you know Matt Harvey. Is probably better outside the Mets organization, and the Mets organization is probably better off without Matt Harvey long term. This year, I kind of think to have any level of success, they need him. Yeah, I agree. And you know what the most amazing thing about this is? Who was Matt Harvey's idol growing up? Derek Jeter. Yeah. Derek Jeter. And for all that I, I could say about the Yankees and my disdain for them, this is the guy who, whenever you say the guy who gets it playing in New York, we often refer to the Derek Jeter handbook that somebody must have handed David Wright early in his career about how to be a superstar in New York and how to just absolutely get it. And for Jeter to go through what's been almost 30 years in the public eye at this point and never once the negative thing written about him in the press and basically lived that playboy life that Matt Harvey strives to and still managed to keep himself out of the press. Never suspended, never even suspected of anything, and, and just did everything right. It's still managing to stay very much in the public eye right now, post-career, and, and still showing a passion for baseball. And Derek Jeter made a billion dollars in his career, and you know what? He never talked about Derek Jeter's paycheck or Derek Jeter's salary because he was a guy who was just, it seemed like he just wanted to play baseball. And for that to be the guy who Harvey idolized, and he is completely the anti-Jeter. It just it baffles my mind, man. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, again, we're talking about somebody with the ego of Seaver and the track record of Traxel, like pretty much what you said earlier. You know, and, and not, not that there's anything wrong with Steve Traxel. I quite honestly enjoyed the human rain delay other than the length it took him to start. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think that um, – yeah, you know, the reality of it is, is uh, the uh, the the line I remember I, I always use it from the uh, movie uh, Hot Shots. Your 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 uh, body's writing, uh, your ego's writing checks. Your body can't cash. And that's, that's uh, and th- and that's one hundred percent Matt Harvey. Uh, his ego continues to write checks that his you know body can't cash. And for those of you younger, checks are these things you used to write out and you write the dollar <laughs> amount. And people give you money for them. Uh, kind of like a debit card, but uh, in paper form, just so you know, for those for those of you on the younger side of the listening audience. But um, the 
you know, the, the thing for me, again, is just it continues to be a distraction. And, and I think that, uh, you know, I, I, it's kind of funny. Um, the same thing happened, you know, in different ways down in, in D.C. And somehow Strasburg signed an extension to stay in, in, in D.C. Perhaps he saw the handwriting on the wall. But, uh, you know, I think is there any Met fan at this point that, you know, apart from a very small, you know, uh, colorblind uh, portion of the fan base, um, that would really actually be okay with uh, signing Harvey long-term at this point? I don't think I would. No, I don't think anyone really would at this point. There's too many questions. I mean, the injury questions alone, if, if Matt Harvey never had any type of off-the-field incidents whatsoever, and he's pitching the way he's currently pitching, and it's time in two years to, to write a contract for Matt Harvey, I don't think I'd give it to him. There's too many injury concerns, and there's too many performance concerns. So now you're going to take that and tack on all the, the off-the-field stuff, and who wants that headache? I mean, somebody will take him. You're right. As a former ace, you hope that you could do a, a reclamation project with him. But I personally, I don't want that headache whatsoever. Yeah, no, not at all. Uh, let's change a little bit over to some of the other things going on around the, uh, around the team at this point. Um, obviously, we, we know that Noah Syndergaard is six weeks away from throwing and probably uh, eight weeks at least from returning, um, possibly longer depending on rehab. Uh, we talked, of course, obviously to Dr. Parekh last week, but um, kind of get your thoughts on, I mean, right now I would think that the All-Star break is probably a reasonable uh, time frame for uh, us to see Syndergaard back on the mound again. However, he yeah, seems I- humbled by the situation. Yeah, it seems like he is one who learned here uh, with uh, that statement that he released, which I do believe was written by him, not by some PR person. We know that he's uh, quick with the words based on his Twitter account. But, yeah, I, uh, I think time, the all-star timetable is a good one. And I'll tell you, the other thing is, like, when the news was announced on the, about the MRI on Monday, I, I thought more Mets fans would feel a sense of relief than they did because I know I went into Monday 100% expecting to hear that that elbow is filled with spaghetti, and the lat would be the minor issue. So to get the news that the elbow's fine, I, I breathed a sigh of relief. I was going into Monday hoping it was just a lat tear, albeit a minor one. Now, it was a level grade two, so not the best of news, but not the worst of news. But, yeah, I was, uh, I was okay with the news on, on Noah, and I think he'll be back as long as we're in tread water phase. As long as they can tread water long enough, and I think they'll be able to if the bats can uh, – not to say what they did this past week because that was kind of outrageous, but at least come alive a little bit from where they were in April. I think they can tread water until Noah gets back. And uh, really the guy I feel for right now is Jake because we're hardly doing what he's doing and seemingly everybody else in the rotation is struggling a lot. The, the pressure of the world has to be on Jake DeGrom right now. But I, I have enough confidence in Jake that he can be the ace that we need to get us to, uh, to Noah comes back. That said... When uh, I got the news from you about Harvey today and I log on and I'm seeing what the corresponding move is to get Wilk here and I see the terms Noah Syndergaard transferred to the 60 ADL, uh, I'll be if that, that wasn't a bit disheartening. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the other thing, I got to be honest, the other thing that was a little bit disheartening to me, and I get it, I, I, I understand it's, it's comical, it's hilarious, and it's all, and Lord knows I, I made a few jokes myself. But it is really tough as a Mets fan who enjoys good baseball when the Mets pull out a massive comeback from behind victory. 
I mean, one that they haven't, you know, the size of which has been a couple of years since they've come back from, um, you know, to come back from us down seven to one to win a game eight to seven, only to be upstaged by a sex toy. Yeah, my my tweet after that game kind of said it all. It said, "Let's uh, have best comeback of the year, possibly in years." T.J. Rivera emerges is is emerging as the best offensive player on the team, and all we can focus on is a marital lead. I mean, it's just it's it goes back to what I was saying about Harvey before. At the bottom of the line, these guys are all alpha male athletes, and they all kind of embrace the bro culture. So I guess you stick something like that in one of your players' lockers, and everyone, <laughs> and it was funny for about 0.3 seconds, if that. But, yeah, the focus that that has gotten and the national attention that that has gotten, considering uh, what the Mets have done in that game, is ridiculous. That game really should have been a springboard to, uh, okay, April is behind us and let's go now. It's summertime and, and we're firing on all cylinders. And it may have worked for one day, but clearly not today. And uh, I agree with you. Disheartening was the word about it. Yeah, I mean, that 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 was kind of um, that was kind of the thing for me. I mean, that was my only thing. I mean... A few people were kind of like, oh, party pooper, you're not making any jokes. Oh, believe me, I can make a few jokes, but 90% of them are unoriginal to begin with. And yeah. the, only time, the, only, the only time I think I – the best one I think I cracked was somebody Somebody said uh, when the Mets released their lineup and Ploiecki was playing last, yesterday, they are like, I want to see Ploiecki play more. So I, of course, tweeted back, with what? Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, but that was – it's kind of one of those things. It's, uh, you know, everyone's, oh – I haven't heard that joke before. Oh, I never would have thought of that one. Oh, thank you for that one. That was not obvious at all. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, and, uh, one thing that bugs me more than more than bad jokes, it's bad jokes of people making the same one over and over and over again. So it, it yeah. definitely grinded on me, especially because, again, I want to talk about that game. I want to talk about that comeback. And really, everybody just wanted to talk about that picture. Yeah, yeah. And it's the, you're right. It is the... Uh, Bobby Bonilla is the highest paid net joke that's made a million times on that particular day every year. And uh, it was bad jokes. And I'll say one more thing, too, about this, and I don't even want to talk about this anymore because it's so stupid. Not a single one of your photoshops were funny. No, they were that's not. The last, that's the last thing I'll say about that. Those photoshops were awful. I, I mean, they were well done, don't get me wrong, but they weren't funny. There was nothing funny about it. Yeah, no, it, you know, the, the, if there's one thing I've learned about Mets Twitter, especially when it comes to Photoshop, there are a lot of people with misplaced skills that are not utilizing them for what they probably should. Yeah, there's some talented dudes out there. It's like, hey, if you actually put your talents to good, you uh, you might get a high-paying gig somewhere. It's like, you know, it's like, yeah, that's exactly it. It's kind of like, you know, you if you got out of your parents' basement and and did something with your life, uh, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe there's some, uh, you know, good uh, graphics design gig out there for you that you could totally pull off. The, uh, <laughs> one of the things I, I just want to throw out there too, is, um, you know, obviously a couple of things we could talk about. Uh, we've gotten a couple of people back, obviously, uh, still some question marks when we'll see, um, as Drupal Cabrera back, they're labeling him officially day to day now. So that means that the disabled list trip is not pending at least for the next day or two. Um, so those who are hoping to see Ahmed Rosario uh, this week, I'm sorry, I, I believe you will be disappointed by that. Cespedes, of course, returns Monday. Canada, it sounds like they are going to be working with him, not so much on the hamstring itself, which seems to be healing nicely, 
but working on a uh, better uh, fitness plan for him to hopefully prevent that in the future, which is something that uh, we were talking with with Dr. Parekh last week, um, you know, embracing the prevention side at this point. Yeah, I'll tell you, I'd love uh, for Zestrinus to get together with a uh, former wrestler, Diamond Dodge Page, and uh, invest in some uh, DDP yoga because I do know some uh, some athletes who have uh, taken that on, and uh, it seems to have uh, really enhanced their uh, their abilities to stay healthy. But yeah, switch up his routine by far. I mean, let's face it, the dude's got legs that are tree trunks, so there's a lot going on inside those hammies, and they're going to have to figure out. I am glad to hear that they're going to try to figure out a new uh, a new regimen to, for him to do, rather than what they did years ago with Jose Reyes, where they tried to get him to run in a different manner, because I just don't think at this point in the career that would be beneficial for assessments. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, it's one, one thing, too, also, that I throw out there. I don't normally get really excited when another team signs a player, but I have to say that there was a a minor league signing on Friday that really got me excited for a good guy when the Giants uh, signed former Met reliever Victor Black to a minor league contract. Yeah, good luck to him. Hopefully he still has that velocity and he uh, he makes it back to the show. He was always a great guy. He was a friend to our show. And uh, I definitely want to see him make it back to the major league level. So good luck to you, Vic. Yeah, he's one of baseball's good guys. I've, I've had a chance to get to know him pretty well over the past couple of years, spent some time with him. And uh, I, I just uh, appreciate him as a person and definitely be rooting for him. And last I heard, he's hitting 97 on the gun. Good to hear. That's good to hear. That was always his uh, bread and butter. So hopefully uh, he, he makes it all the way back to the show. I'd love to see him when uh, the Mets make their trip out to San Fran later in the year. Yeah, and I think uh, you know, I th- certainly think that uh, he would love that as well. He, uh, he's one of those guys. He's still – I think he's, you know, some guys are so glad to get out of New York and, you know, kind of roll your eyes at them. And I think, I think Vic's one of those guys that will always truly treasure the time he spent at the Mets and really has no hard feelings about it, the way things went down. Yep. He was a case of, it's baseball as a business and he fully understands that. But, um, yeah, as we kind of wrap things down, you know, it's kind of weird, dude. We're done playing the NL East for now. Finally, May seventh, we're done with the NL East after after playing the entire season against them. San Francisco for three, uh, Milwaukee for three. Um, hopefully, uh, both teams are not playing all that good. So I'm, I'm hoping we can we've got another couple series wins in us. Yeah, the Giants have definitely been awful so far this year. So hopefully they can uh, they can rack up some wins here with uh, with some of the, the the JV players on the mound. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, we'll certainly continue to follow things. We'll have uh, uh, I think we'll have a show next week. I believe so. Uh, we may need to work around some uh, scheduling issues. I know I have on my end, but we'll definitely uh, try to be back with you next week. EJ, any final thoughts? That Harvey Brandt was for you at Twinkle Mets. <laughs> I already I saw you got complimented there, so there you there you go. That uh, that's. I, I knew you had it in you, man. I knew you had it in you. <laughs> I uh, really didn't think I did today. I really thought that I was I was just uh, as laissez-faire about this whole thing, and then you know how to get it out of me, man. <laughs> well, I, 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 I kind of figured that, you know, it's one of those things that uh, I'd get a text from you about three hours after the show going, damn it, I did have one in me. Uh, so, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm glad we got it out of here. Glad, glad we're able to be your therapy for you. 
But uh, when I first talked to you this morning, I was like, I think I said that. Uh, I sense a Hollywood Harvey rant coming. And uh, <laughs> you know, by golly, uh, by golly, there it was. So uh, appreciate that. And uh, until next week, when hopefully we have less off the field crap to talk about and mostly on the field stuff, because quite frankly, right now, they ain't doing so bad, people. Pay attention to what's going on in the field. They're winning series. Two out of three ain't bad. And if they can keep that up, that's a good pace to get on, to get out of this mess, get into the wild card lead, and start eating away at Washington's lead. These are good things. Let's pay attention. Let's watch what's happening on the field because there's some special stuff happening in the absence of some of our best players. That's my final thought anyway. Until next week, go. let's go Mets.